Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It is a new year, so how about a new you? That's right, how about some new clothes from Leon Tailoring? Something ready-made, something custom-made, or something tailor-made. No matter what it is that you're looking for, they can put it together for you at Leon Tailoring. Or maybe you have goals to lose some weight and the clothes don't fit as well as they used to. Well, Leon Tailoring can take care of that. Or maybe you gained a couple of pounds over the holiday season. Well, Leon Tailoring, they can take care of that too. Notice the pattern here, Leon Tailoring, they can sort of take care of everything. So swing on by Leon Tailoring, say hi to Larry, Kim, and Judy, and tell them Abdul Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware and downtown Indianapolis. Well, as this weekend is Valentine's Day, uh, Valentine's Day today, as we record this interview, but Valentine's Day weekend when this interview will actually air, are we in love with the economy or is it a love-hate relationship? How is that for a non-sequitur? Well, to join us to talk about that is our good friend Michael Hicks uh, from Ball State University, uh, economics professor. Mike, my friend, as always, good to talk to you. Thank you very much for being with us. It's good to be with you. That's the best opening to an economic story I've ever heard. <laughs> well, thank you, my friend. Well, I was uh, actually up in Chicago uh, last week at an economic forum sponsored by the Federal Reserve, so we learned all about economics reported and writing to, to supplement the conversation that we have. So hopefully we can put it uh, uh, to some good use. Well, let me start off by asking my friend, uh, how's the economy looking these days? Well, I think it's extraordinarily strong. If you look at labor market indicators, unemployment is low. Wages are rising much faster than inflation, particularly for people in the bottom, say, 80 percent of the wage scale. And I think a lot of that's attributable to just the higher 20 percent of workers are uh, most highly compensated. 20 percent of workers are working from home. So they may be trading off working from home for higher wages. If you look at investment numbers, those are pretty good. If you look at stock market, obviously, which is a measure of the expectations of investors, those are strong. Uh, if you look at housing markets, they remain robust in terms of prices with retreating mortgages, which means there are expectations of lower borrowing costs down the future. I think the only sort of downside we see in the economy right now is that uh, manufacturing is slowing a little bit as with higher interest rates. And so but not, but slowing in a way that makes 2024 look like a near record year, maybe, maybe not the best ever, but uh, close to a record year for manufacturing. Uh, how are we friends with unemployment? So uh, unemployment right now nationally has been hanging in the 3.7, 3.8, 3.9% range, bouncing back and forth over the past year. That is as low as it could legitimately get outside of wartime. It's where the economists call it the natural rate or the more politically correct non-accelerating rate of uh, unemployment. That means if it gets below that, then people are afraid. to. They're just not leaving jobs because wages are rising so quickly. And so you, you expect natural frictions as businesses close and new businesses open and people leave for better jobs and, or they're fired because they're not cutting the mustard. So all those things are happening. But when you get down to 38 3.7% unemployment rate, that's well below at least a half a percentage below the most generous estimate of what that normal turnover rate would be. So that's that's where we are now. Uh, and I realize, Mike, when we talk about employment, there are sort of two numbers. There's our unemployment rate, but there's also the workforce participation rate. Right. So workforce participation rate for men is largely recovered. It has not fully recovered nationwide for women. It's very close. Um, we think a big portion of that is attributable to uh, child care costs, which have risen as wages for low-wage workers have risen as well. You have to remember COVID killed somewhere between 1.2 and 1.4 million Americans. About half of them were working age. 
Uh, it did not damage demand for goods and services, in part because of a big fiscal stimulus. So we have fewer people producing more goods and services. So we're in the most productive economy we've ever had in, in inflation-adjusted terms uh, across the board in every sector. And so what that means is that with wages rising for you know, everybody across the board, the places where the prices are going to be most obviously rising along with it are going to be things like child care, fast food restaurant, that sort of thing, but particularly in child care, which is so labor intensive. So I think that's why women returning have not returned to work at about the same rate they were before COVID. Our guest on the program today is our good friend Michael Hicks, uh, professor of economics at Ball State University. Always good to have him on the show, on the program, actually talking about uh, the economy. Uh, so, Mike, uh, the the big eight hundred pound gorilla in the room is inflation. What is going on there? Right. So we went through a really brisk period of inflation. Started in the fall of twenty twenty one. Really picked up uh, by Christmas time and spring of twenty twenty one. Federal Reserve started fighting it in twenty twenty two. By the middle part of 2023, their efforts to slow inflation had had resulted in almost a 5% increase in uh, real interest rates um, that reduced the money supply and reduced inflation that, according to the measure that they look at most closely, which is the inflation of personal consumption expenditures, were back down to about 2%, which is the rate that they're – the bottom of their sort of band – that they care about. They think it ought to be, inflation ought to be between two and two and a half percent. That's sort of our, how well we can measure it. There are other measures that have it a little bit higher. Um, we've seen gas prices go back up. That pushed the consumer price index so that we're closer to 2.9 or 3 percent. But generally, inflation in this round looks to be near the end. But by that, it could, we could still be having inflation in the two to two and a half percent or higher range for many more months. So I think we're we're at the end of the hard inflation fight and we're looking to the point where the Federal Reserve can say, all right, we've we've beaten inflation. Now we can lower interest rates. That could happen as early as April or as late as August. Uh, Mike, but what about uh, the sort of the grocery sector? Uh, Because I, I, I was on the phone with my wife the other day and I got an earful about her trip to the grocery store. Right. I don't get my wife doesn't allow me to shop on my own uh, without specific instructions. But when I go, I'm shocked by higher prices. So inflation means the prices went up, but they went up because the value of the dollar dropped. We're never going to go to a point where the value of that that dollar is going to rise back to the point where prices will return to where they were. So inflation is a rate of change. And but we're, we're, we went through a period of time where prices rose very quickly because the, the value of the dollar dropped. To get us back to those lower prices would be terribly destructive to the economy. Deflation is much worse than inflation. And, but what most people the, – the reason it hurts so much is that most people can easily see the price. I know how much eggs cost and how much milk costs. I know how much gas is. But they don't see the the rise in their wages, the increase in their wages, as having the same cause causal mechanism as inflation for egg egg prices or milk prices. And so, they they think, well, I'm getting paid a lot more because I'm a great worker, not because of inflation, because that's being eaten by inflation. When both of those things are moving together. And and it's funny because uh, one of the big things that uh, uh, my wife has seen the price increases eggs. <clears throat> for, for for some strange reason, eggs is her thing. So well, and and then I would say uh, it's always important to look at individual prices. There's still individual prices that vary for different reasons. Gasoline obviously changes with the season. It changes if there's a if the Houthis are firing at uh, 
you know, uh, ships that are transporting fuel, if there's a, a war going on in the Middle East, all those things affect fuel prices. Same thing with eggs. We've been through a couple of very bad periods of avian flu that caused the destruction of a very large share of the uh, chicken population in the United States. That caused that was that that happened back in 2020, 2021 um, in a summer that I had two teenage swimmers work staying at home. So it was very painful for me. But uh, uh, overall, in prices, you know, I think we're, we should expect uh, the, the price growth to get back to wh- what we had before, which, is yeah, prices go up, but they go up at a very, very slow pace over time and not something that's really noticeable. The good news, again, is, you know, coming back to my initial point is that wages have outpaced inflation. There was a period of time they didn't. In late 2022 and early 2023, Wages were growing more slowly than inflation, so that hurts. That really means people's, are you know the the their their pocketbooks are being hurt by inflation. But if wages are rising faster than inflation, then you know people are still going to be better off. And the the sole exception to that in the economy right now are public sector workers, from you know school teachers to uh, police officers and military folks. All those folks have lived a world where pay increases are much slower than inflation. And I think that's why we're in a, a, a period of time where it's going to be very difficult to hire in some of those sectors because they're just, they don't pay well enough to attract workers. Our guest on the program today is our good friend Michael Hicks of Ball State University, School of Economics, Economics Professor. So we're talking about uh, sort of the economy and how things are how, how things are doing. Uh, Mike, uh, I want to go back to, to my wife as an example, uh, because this is actually something we talked about at the conference I was at, uh, at the Federal Reserve uh, in Chicago. Uh, sort of how the economy is doing and how how people think the economy is Im- impacting them personally. And for some reason, even though we can throw all the numbers and data like, hey, you no, know, you no, know, wages are up, you know, production's up, people still don't necessarily think the economy is doing well. How do you explain that disconnect? Ryan, so I think it's fairly easy to explain. Um, the example I gave is, you know, suppose I'm a I'm a physician and I got a patient in front of me in the emergency room and they're saying you know, man, I really feel awful. I feel terrible. I'm, I really, I'm, I'm feeling bad. And I've run a battery of tests and all my data say that you're fine. You should be healthy. You should be ready to run a marathon. And all along the way, you just keep saying, I feel terrible. I feel terrible. Um, I'm going to, as an economist or a physician, I'm going to think I'm missing something. But if you get out, if you say, well, that's enough, doc. I'm tired of talking to you. I got to get up and run, go run a marathon. Then I'm going to think you're handing me a bucket full of baloney. And that's really what's happened in the economy. It's not that the economists are saying the economy is good. It's that households are behaving as if they're good. Their consumption spending is up. You know, people aren't hoarding money. They're not doing things that would indicate precursors to a recession that we'd seen in the past. All that being said, if you look at consumer sentiment, which emerged out of COVID growing fairly briskly, the turning point was in the fall of 2021, which was the first quarter that we had inflation over two and a half percent. And starting that period up until last uh, fall, the consumer sentiment survey that University of Michigan has been doing for decades just plummeted. It plummeted to very low levels, which reflects, I think, households saying, look, I'm going to judge I'm going to judge the economy by the level of inflation, not by all these other indicators, which makes a lot of sense. You know, we're human beings who make sense of a world by what we observe. And and so uh, the last few months, particularly the last month or two, the consumer sentiment survey has really rebounded. And I think that's consistent with 
much lower levels of inflation and return to stronger stock market growth. So what your wife is feeling, what any consumer will feel when they look at gas prices or the price of eggs or the price of milk or, you know, bologna, uh, that, that, that it makes sense that you would be concerned about it. But the underlying economy remains strong and consumers are behaving as if it's a strong economy, even if they're telling surveyors that they're uncomfortable with the way the economy looks. Uh, Mike, I know as an economist, you look at you look at you look at facts, you look at data. Uh, but do economists sometimes uh, would you sort of overlook the sort of the, the human aspect, or sort of the almost you know, the the emotional aspect of economics? Well, I, I think there's a risk to that. The pro the, the 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 thing that I might one of my colleagues always said was like I, I try not to let my feelings cloud my judgment because I'm a I'm a flawed human like everybody else. So if there's something I want to buy and it's really pricey. If I'm taking a long trip and gas is expensive, that just burns me, and I feel bad about it. And I have to really have to abstract away from my personal experience to to look at the underlying data. So, the problem the problem isn't that economists can't dis you know or or are not human. It's that we're all together too human. So it's too easy to say, oh, the economy is really bad because I'm feeling bad about it instead of dispassionately observing the data. And I think. And again, I just go back to it. it's not so much that the economy is doing well because economists say it's doing well. I mean, we're, we could be wrong. It's that the economy is doing well because consumers and businesses are saying it's doing well. They're investing. They're buying homes. They're going on vacations. They're consuming at very high rates. And, and, and you know, they may be telling surveyors that things are bad, and they may be complaining about the economy, which I think people do no matter how it is. Uh, but it's really their behavior that I try to watch as a as a bellwether marker of the economy, not what I think they should it should be, but what consumers are actually doing. And that that sort of at this point mimics all the rest of the data, which says the economy is strong. I still know there are people who are depressed about it, and and, and I, I think to be completely candid, you can't accept that answer without also looking at the partisanship component. When Republicans are in office, Democrats think the economy is bad. When the Democrats are in office, the Republicans think the economy is bad. We just got to be better, more grown up about it than that. And uh, I think we really struggled to do that. Mike Hooks with this Ball State Economics Professor. Uh, Mike, got a couple seconds left here. Uh, you recently did a report, uh, did some economic forecasting. Uh, what did you find? Well, I think, uh, well, first of all, I found that I was uh, really right about the first half of last year that we would have slow growth, but we really took off in the second half of 2023. And when I, when I look at where the economy is today, I'm sort of shocked by the sustained growth of labor productivity. That is just the value goods and services produced by Americans for every hour that they work. It, it, we have, we are four we're now 48 months into the start since the start of the COVID downturn, um, about 46 months since the beginning of the recovery. We're pretty long in a recovery period. We should not be having that sort of sustained productivity growth. And I suspect, as I said in my forecast, that is an indicator that the econ underlying economy is actually stronger even than we believe. And maybe we may be in a sustained period of growth that looks more like the you know 1994 1995 for the, and then uh, in the next few years than any other time that we've seen so far in the 20th century, which has not been a particularly strong economy, and that's true for Indiana and the nation as a whole. So, Mike, any recession in our near future? Nope, not and not without an external economic shock. 
Things look very robust. The problem is we live in a volatile and dangerous world with all kinds of potential external shocks. All righty. Well, our guest on the program today has been our good friend Michael Hicks, economics professor at Ball State University, uh, talking about the economy and uh, versus the, and the perception versus uh, what the facts actually show. So, Michael, my friend, as always, sir, thank you very much for being with us. And, Hicks, you take care. We'll talk to you again real soon. Good to be with you, sir. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.